Head to netsuite.com slash briefing now for their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Hey, everyone. I'm Jeff Zeleny, CNN's chief national affairs correspondent, in for David Chalian. And this is the CNN Political Briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Friday, March 17th. President Biden could face a lose-lose scenario if he saves banks or if he doesn't. So how did we get here? It's been one rocky week. It was just seven days ago when all hell broke loose when Silicon Valley Bank, a major lender to the tech industry, collapsed. But now the banking system is facing a crisis of confidence. We've seen it day by day play out this week from coast to coast. And the president could soon be in a politically perilous place if he isn't already. Now, the bank collapsed last week after an online panic led too many people to withdraw their money all at once. The FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, took over the bank after a series of weekend conversations between the White House, the Treasury Department, and bank executives, and they guaranteed people their money. But then, a second regional bank, Signature Bank, also failed and was taken over by the government. Now, the White House used the Deposit Insurance Fund. That's a $100 billion facility funded by premiums that banks pay to the FDIC to guarantee all deposits in both banks the insured, and the uninsured. Many experts called that move extraordinary. The Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen explained why the government had to step in. We felt that there was a serious risk of contagion that could have brought down and triggered runs on many banks. But then more chaos with a third bank, First Republic Bank. The S&P Global Ratings and Fitch Ratings downgraded the regional bank's credit over concerns that depositors could pull out their cash. Now, similar to SVB, First Republic has a lot of deposits that are uninsured. That means over $250,000. So people panicked and tried to pull their money out. Ultimately, the bank had to receive a $30 billion lifeline from a group of America's largest banks after a several days-long series of conversations behind the scenes with these banks and with Treasury officials. But the chaos in the U.S. also led to anxiety abroad, including at Swiss bank Credit Suisse, a bank already plagued by years and years of issues. There, shares plunged as much as 30 percent, and things were looking very rough. But then the Swiss National Bank said it would give Credit Suisse a $50 billion lifeline to avoid a global crisis, for now at least. This roller coaster ride the banking sector is on this week is taking place under the shadow of the 2008 financial crisis. Yes, it's been 15 years, but every politician has well learned the lesson using the B word or bailout is a no-no. I think our colleague Stephen Collinson perhaps summed it up best this week, writing, President Biden could be damned if he saves the bank or damned if he doesn't. That sums up exactly the scenario that is confronting this White House. Of course, the situation is much different than what happened in 2008. That is when the government had to bail out the big banks after they took risky bets on mortgages in the housing market bubble with taxpayer money. This was at the very end of the Bush administration, the beginning of the Obama administration. And that series of decisions 15 years later still hangs over everything in Washington and beyond. To be sure, President Biden and all administration officials have tried to make a clear distinction between the measures they are taking to protect depositors and stabilize the financial system from the 2008 response. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. The management of these banks will be fired. If the bank is taken over by FDIC, the people running the bank should not work there anymore. 
You can hear it by the tone in the president's voice, and certainly this is something that we're told he's been telling all of his advisors. This cannot be a repeat of 2008. Of course, back then, bond and stockholders, executives, CEOs were all supported. That is what caused the outrage. Now, this time around, Biden and his administration are trying to frame this as the banking industry is saving itself rather than the government is bailing them out. Now, the president has put a great deal of effort into being seen as a man of the working class and middle class. This has been part of his narrative, his mantra throughout his political life. Not the president who would bail out rich bankers, whose recklessness put the savings, the prosperity, and the peace of mind of all Americans at risk. So this is sort of the conundrum he's been facing. You may wonder, why wouldn't the president just let SVB and Signature Bank fail? The clear reason is the contagion that could cause in the economy could be catastrophic. Of course, this all comes as the president is nearing a decision to announce that he's likely to run for re-election. This is the last thing he may have wanted. But again, a reminder, presidents cannot choose the challenges that they confront. They can only deal with them. But that's why we see the administration repeatedly trying to assure the country that no taxpayer money directly was involved in taking over SVB and Signature Bank. But some Republicans, particularly those with White House ambitions of their own, have been quick to try and portray these government actions as a bailout. Take Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley. She said on Monday, Joe Biden is pretending this isn't a bailout. When the deposit insurance fund runs dry, all bank customers are on the hook. That, she said, is a public bailout. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, another 2024 potential candidate, he twisted the situation to claim that the so-called woke preoccupation, in his words, with diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives at these banks, here he was Sunday on Fox News. Here's to me, I mean, this bank, they're so concerned with DEI and politics and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I think that really diverted from them focusing on their core mission. We have a massive federal bureaucracy, and yet they never seem to be able to be there when we need them to be able to prevent something like this. But the next day on CNN, we should point out that former FDIC chair Sheila Baer, a Republican, laughed at that notion. She said the so-called woke policies at banks had nothing to do with this. Now, Washington is focused on how this happened and what can be done to prevent it from happening again. The president explained it like this on Monday. I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again and to protect American jobs and small businesses. But the president is urging Congress to expand the FDIC's authority to hold senior bank executives accountable by making it easier for the FDIC to claw back their compensation, bar them from holding banking jobs, and bring fines against executives of failed banks. But with Republicans in control of the House, it will likely be tough to pass anything along these lines. In fact, today, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy pushed back on calls for new regulations and legislation, placing some blame on state regulators for not acting sooner. Republican Senator Bill Cassidy showed a willingness to pass legislation, but he has questions. Were the rules in place adequate but just poorly enforced? I, and now, if it turns out we need more regulations, then do more regulations. But don't just kind of reflexly do something before you know what happened. At this point, it seems more a failure of regulators, not of regulation. Democratic Congressman Josh Harder says regulators and the bank's management should be held accountable for their failure. They paid themselves millions of dollars in bonuses the day before this bank collapsed. Many of them sold so stock just a few days before uh, Silicon Valley Bank went under. 
And we need to look at regulators who should have been better able to stress test this bank and anticipate crisis moments like this well before. We're going to need some banking reform. Now, Democrats, including Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders, have long criticized the Trump administration for relaxing these regulations for small and medium-sized banks that were put in place in 2010. So there is no doubt there are going to be continued discussions throughout the rest of the, the spring, likely into the summer and beyond, about bank regulations. The question is how much this contagion and lack of confidence will spread in the banking system. But as we close this week, one thing keeps coming back to me again and again. We closely covered the Obama White House at the time, and you can draw a direct link to the populism that is coursing through today's politics directly back to the events of 2008. On the right, the Tea Party rose up specifically because of this populism streak. On the left, the progressive wing was also strengthened. We occasionally talk about the concentric circles that align Trump and Bernie Sanders supporters, for example. It is on issues specifically like this. But the words of Barack Obama, the former president, have been ringing in my head all week. I remembered back to what he said in his book. He said the bank bailout sent people over the edge. Across the political spectrum, voters considered the bank bailouts a scam. That scam, of course, sparked anger. And you can be sure the current president, Joe Biden, his future depends on taming that anger. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. CNN Political Briefing is a product of CNN Audio. Steve Lichtai is our executive producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. Fez Jamil is our senior producer. Our episodes are produced by Krista Bowe and Taylor Galgano. We'll be back Monday.